Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Advancing Man Project show. Today, I have Gio Savo on here, and we just met face-to-face -face on Zoom for the first time. And while I'm saying that, I'm checking, make sure we're on gallery view. We are. Um, uh, just met Gio for the first time. We've been talking for, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, getting to know each other going into this. I think that this is going to be a fantastic show. Give you a little background on Gio. He was, he was born in New York, moved to Miami in 1990 been self-employed since he was 16 years old so he's got that entrepreneur spirit um was in business with his dad and brother for 28 years and then the recession hit in 2008 and threw him into a tailspin um almost lost the business rebuilt um but rebuilt with scars and then in 2017 geo had a chance to deep dive into personal finance and realized that while he knew a lot about business finance he knew next to nothing about finance and good upon educated that stuff um and really he loved and was good to people so part of it personal fine and which is a thing because when talking about like that i'm just kind of goes into kind of break things <laughs> you know i like to lift heavy stuff um it's it's um he's um refreshingly different and genuine in able to achieve goals and and he can connect with a different level. A test to just in the past two twenty minutes. Top Eddie and I'm about that. It's meant to create a solid print, a place guide with after or a switch full search or strategy, minor accounts, business benefit plans, wills and trusts, things like that. Um, outside of that kind of work, he has a passion for music. We talked a little bit about that. Um, traveling, which we haven't talked about at all, and food, which um, he said is his his real passionate places to be in the kitchen. And been married for three And um, Jim, have you on the show. I am excited to... Uh, to have this conversation, I think it's going to be pretty epic. It sounds cool when you hear your life like that. Like you're yeah. like, okay, I did some stuff. It's yeah. been a wild yeah. ride. You see me, you're smiling at the hard parts. So there you yeah. go. So, yeah, smiling sad. at the hard parts for sure. Um, let's uh, let's just go straight into like some of the some of the mental aspects of stuff here. Like, what are your um, core or fundamental elements or principles for success? I know you mentioned wow. personal development earlier um, when we were talking. And so like you're a successful guy. How do you pass on success? Grit. Like, what does that mean? I guess. Right. Um, yeah. we're when you said it, I thought about my kids, right. Yeah. When we transitioned to a new career, when I was in the middle of doing both building the finance business and running the other business, um, we didn't hide it from my kids. So my kids saw dad studying at night and the grind and, and the reason why I did that, and the reason why I answer your question that way is that there needs to be, there's going to be an element of growth that is tough and it hurts and it takes, it, that's what self-development is. And having the grit and the stability and the discipline to do it no matter what was the key. So I kind of kept them on the journey with me so they could see what it takes. So what does that mean? Discipline. You do things when you want to or not, because there's a goal in mind. Um, don't, I would say one of the things, and this is a cooking analogy, but you don't measure the results, you measure the work. So like if I make a cake and you mix it all together, that mushiness has to go in an oven 
I do not know what happens chemically in that 20 or 30 minutes, but it comes out of something different. And, and I, you know, there's faith in the process. You know that if you do it right, it'll kind of pop the way it's supposed to. So for me, that's part of work. If you do the right stuff and you know it's the right stuff because either mentorship or there's just some, you have the right lessons in place, the results happen. So there's a faith involved, um, not necessarily religious, a faith in the process. So I would say those are things, you know, discipline, self-development, knowing that the person you are today isn't the person that's going to win. How do I know that? Because if I gave anybody on this call the keys to a McDonald's, chances are all of them are going to fail. And you go, well, why? Because that's the business that you have to learn. There's just things that you have to learn and you have to grow in, well, anything in life. So that's a lifetime conversation probably. It really is. It really right? is. And and I like to open with that, um, or I wanted to open with that for you because I want to say, do those does that same idea, those same principles or or the philosophy that you have there, does that apply to being a dad as well? Oh my God, hundred percent. So I'm gonna turn fifty this year. I happy birthday. What did you say? Happy birthday. <laughs> it's scary when you say that because that's a real milestone. Think about when you were a kid and your grandma was fifty. That was like end of the rope. She's on a rocking chair. Now we're skydiving and we're doing things. So what I'm, I thought I'm about, 54 with a five-year-old. So there you go. There so you go. go. Well, this is what I thought about. This is a really actually recent thought in my life in the last couple of weeks. So I'm still working through it. But when I was a kid and I would look at my parents that were older, you never questioned that they knew the game. They figured it out. You never questioned that. Now at 50, I'm like, I'm still figuring myself out. So I think about my dad going, Man, when he was 50, 49, 48, he was just trying to figure it out as well. So why do I say that? To be a better parent, you got to, first, you got to know you don't know everything. And you got to learn along the way to be a better parent. Because what starts 10 years ago, so my, my, my oldest is 15, what I knew 15 years ago to what I know now, if I didn't grow, what can I teach him? That's all I know. So it's this constant growth and learning and trying and, and, and evolving so that you can be a better dad. And the thing is, too, we're in a society that evolves. I mean, clearly, we're not, not in the same place we were as kids. So how to navigate the landscape. You are the leader. And you got to figure out the tools and the trajectory of the land while you're going through it to carve a better path. So self-development is key. Growth. Realizing you don't know everything. But at the same time, not sitting in quicksand, not doing anything. Right. You know? So it's right. all that for sure. Um. To that point, um, what is your like fundamental core principle or core principles around fatherhood? And how does that relate to um, what you were saying about growing your business as well and, and the fundamental principles of success? That's a good question. We can teach in a way and leave the muscle memory behind that they can, when, when our kids get into situations in life, they have something to draw, right? It's not just genetics or DNA. They've seen, so like when I talk about going through the grit and the grind of building something, I know my kids are going to have a point where they're on a project, where they're in a life, whatever they're at in life, where they're going to need to go into their mental tool chest and go, I've seen this before. I know that there's a roadmap and what does it look like? It's not the same, but the tools are the same. So part of it is that is, is learning and then figuring out a way to teach it to them that's at their level, using their language, their their things, and being honest. You know, um, so when we went through the recession and we lost everything, once my kids were old enough, we didn't hide it from them. We don't have anything right now, but we're building it. 
because right. they can know, they can see the before and after and learn along the way. And they'll have, you know, as their eyes and ears grow and they become more mature, longer and deeper conversations. But I think talking genuinely and and not, on, I'll give you, here's a great story. I know I'm kind of going all over, but this this is one of those moments in life where you kind of realize you took a next step as a dad. My, uh, my, my, my teenage daughter, a 13-year-old, we're having this conversation and I go, do you think you know everything? And she's like, yes, because I could tell. And I go, I don't know everything. And she's like, what? I go, look. And I go, I don't know how to fly a plane. I don't know how to do this. And I started going through with like the scene from Forrest Gump when he's talking about shrimp. I went on for days. I was annoying. I don't know how to do, I don't know how sneakers are made. And she's like, she goes, I get it. I go, and then, but it hit her. She's like, well, that doesn't know everything. I don't know everything. I go, yeah, but the cool part is we come up. Mm-hmm. And that changed how it changed our conversation. Cause then now it's like, well, dad, what about this? I go, I don't know. Let's figure it out. So that, that owning where you're at, which is farther than where you came from, but also you're still on a journey. You're not, you're, if you think you're at where you, if you're at where you want to be, that seems to be a sad place because it's, there's never, there shouldn't be an end. It's a journey. I agree. And I, I agree. think, I think that that flies in the face of, of so many, like we, we initially made contact with each other through a Facebook group for dads that we're both in. And I think that what you just described is beautiful and it flies in the face of so many guys that I see on there who seem to be stuck in the, well, this is just how I am. This is the way the world is. And, and that's all there is to it. There's a guy um, that I follow named Myron Golden. Are you familiar with him? Myron Golden? You should, you should, you should check him out. I think you would dig him. He, um, he was, he grew up poor and he was a trash man at one point. And now he's a very effective speaker on stage and he like closes sales from stage and he teaches sales strategy and like things in that entrepreneurial world of stuff. And he wrote a book called something really clever, like from trash man to cash man or something like that. Um, but he talks about, um, about knowing what you don't know and about the resilience that goes along with that. And to be completely honest, something, something you said triggered me thinking about him. And now that has flown away from me like a little bird again. So with my, with my daughter, probably not. Knowing oh yeah. 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 With, yeah. with your daughter and, and not knowing everything. Um, he's, he's talking about how he made it a point that, he started at like this level and then worked his way up to this level before he ever had kids. And that it was his duty as a dad to have his ending point or near his ending point, be the launch pad, the starting point for what his kids know in, in being able to navigate things and figure that out. And so when you said that, it, it made me think about that stuff. But yeah. You should check out, check out Myron. He's got a lot of, uh, a lot of good one-liners, you know, that are, uh, that are that are catchy so like that. I, I'll give you I'll give you a cheat uh, cheat code. I have a, a dry erase marker on my glasses desk, so it's like the drawing board all day long. I write important things, and then I'll erase it at the end of the day once I memorize it or put it where it needs to be. I'll give you a cool a cool again another life point. I, I like to cook, kind of. You said that in the bio, and I remember about three Thanksgivings ago, I made a meal, and I was like, when I sat back, I was like, everybody was eating, and it was like that moment. I'm like, this was awesome. Like everything was on point. And I remember going, I was 47. So it was two years ago. And I go, wow, like I really hit it out of the park. And I go, I thought I was good at 37. 
but I'm really good now. And I go, how good am I going to be at 57? Right. And what happened was I go, you got to burn some more stuff. You got to overseason. You got to push the limit to figure out where it was. And I got so excited because I don't remember. You don't remember when you burn something, you remember the results at like where it was. And I was like, wow, how, and I go, what about, what else in life am I not thinking that way? Cause sometimes you get overwhelmed or you're miserable with some of the results. You're not where you're, but you got to recognize where they were. And if you could see a little bit of like movement, you're like, okay, wait, I'm not where I was. Where am I going to go? And for me, that was one of those times where you're like, ah, I understood what people are talking about. Like I got the journey part and that became exciting to me. So I would say like, just to people listening, like, where are you at? Where would, where'd you come from? If there's any movement, you could celebrate that. It may not be, you shouldn't be like, in other words, you're never where you're, where you want to be. But if you know you got some momentum, even if it's a foot, it's in the foot in the right direction, then you kind of build up. Like we were talking about, you know, your story with the, just the various things from strongman to musician. And like, man, those are cool. Those are cool things that build upon themselves, you know, that you can use in the future that you can, that's the foundational approach to life. Yeah. So and cool. I, I think that the point you make about the the food is really interesting because it's, it's the, there's tons and tons of like trite expressions, you know, cliches and stuff that we hear around success and things like there's no such thing as failure. It's all feedback. And we've heard that hundreds and hundreds of times. But then when you have a moment like that and you're like, oh, that's what that actually means. I can connect to it now because I've actually experienced it. And then when you have a moment like that and you're able to to step back and like you said, okay, where am I going to be able to to have that experience for myself in other areas of my life or reflecting back where have I had that experience before? Cause we were talking about playing music earlier. And if you've ever goofed around on a guitar or an instrument of some sort and jammed with another person and had that moment where you stop thinking and you're just playing and it just flows and you're like, damn, that felt good. And then you like, if you just happen to record it, you listen back and you be like, I don't know where that came from. I have never done that before. I didn't know I was capable of playing something like that. You know, feelings like that are, are what make you fall in love with with playing an instrument. But what, just like burning hundreds and hundreds or, or of dishes or or overspicing or underspicing something, what what we don't see is all of the repetition, repetition, repetition that goes into creating that one moment where we can hit that spot. And you know, also from strength training stuff, right? Like there have been times that I've done something. Um, that my body physically probably shouldn't have been capable of doing, but I was in a position where I didn't have any other choice. And I know we're, we're talking about you, but this, this story is relevant to that. I think I, oh, a, few, sure. a few years ago, uh, probably it was in 2012. Um, the guy that taught me how to do feats of strength, Dennis Rogers, grandmaster, strong man, um, invited myself and one other student of his to go to Columbus, Ohio to perform on stage at the Arnold Fitness Expo, the Arnold Classic, they called it, right? And I don't know if you're familiar with that or not, but it's a fitness event. It started out as a bodybuilding contest in the 80s that Arnold Schwarzenegger put his name on okay. to promote. And it evolved into this thing that's like a five-day event now. And they have literally any sport that you can think of is represented in there. Like you walk through the, the convention center and there's some guys over here fencing and there's people over there doing gymnastics and over here they're doing jujitsu and there's arm wrestling. But it started out as a bodybuilding show and it's Arnold's thing. So there's like this strength theme to it. 
And we were brought on because on the main stage, they had grip sport competition on one day and in, in the early part of the day. And the next day they had the um, amateur drug tested bodybuilders in the morning. And, but then in the evening they had the competitive strongmen, which if you know anything about that sport is guys like Eddie Hall. Did you watch game of Thrones? The guy, yes. that, the guy that played the mountain, Hafthor Bjornsson. Oh, that guy's a okay. Yeah, I know. Who yeah, you're yeah. The the first time I ever saw him was at that show, and he and his coach walked into a restaurant, and I was like, "That is the largest muscular human being I've ever seen." It's it's un unbelievable. He's just otherworldly. He's like six foot eight and like four hundred and fifty pounds, and you know, veins in his forearms, invisible abs. He was just you know meant to 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 do what he does, but um. Our job um, that that Dennis brought us up there for is when those morning events were done, they had to change the stage around and then to set it up for the evening events, which was the the, the big draw, which was the strongman, right? And they were coming out and they were doing their deadlifts with the tires and all that sort of stuff. And so we were up front on the stage while they were changing the stage around behind us. So it's the biggest crowd I've ever been in front of. There's probably four or 5,000 people right there in front of me. I'm on a jumbotron behind myself. And it's in a convention center, this big open space. And so there's, you know, another 50 or 60,000 people just milling about at the booths and stuff like a trade show. And um, I only had to do two feats. I was only had about 15 minutes, but Dennis is on the microphone announcing for me and doing the thing. And he gives me this 12 inch spike that I had. Um, they want me to bend it. And I tested one in the hotel room. It was fine. I was good to go. No problem right there. Right. And the technique that I used, I would bend it over my thigh to get it, you know, to about a 45 degree bend. And then I would go between my knees and use, put the backs of my knees on my hands and torque it and use leg drive and, and wrist strength all at the same time to finish it into this nice U. Well, I bend it, I hold it up. Everything's going great. I go between my legs and I go to, to bend it and my foot slides. And I'm like, Oh, wow that's not good. All the force went out the bottom of my foot, went the other way, you know, and I'm like, try it again. So I get my, adjust my position again. I hit it again. Same thing happens again. And I had this split second realization that there's chalk and sawdust and bodybuilder oil on this stage. And I'm just slip sliding all over the place. Oh. I might as well be on ice, but I've got to bend this spike. And I don't really have a, um, a recollection of what I did next, but I do have video of it. So I took it to a different position, which is, more up on my body like this with one hand braced against my leg and drive down and I pushed on it. And it, if you watch the video, it takes like four or five seconds, but it felt like I was in that position for like three days, just pushing with everything I had without letting it up, seeing spots, seeing colors kind of checking out. And the next thing I remember is I'm holding up the spike and everybody's yelling and, and going on. And I handed the person in the crowd and I go on about my business and I go off to the side and Dennis calls the other guy up and he's like, what happened? I'm like, the stage is slick. And I don't know what happened. Did I bend the thing? And he's like, yeah, you're good. But it was that moment that you described earlier that there was no way to plan for it. There was no way to prepare for it specifically, but all of the other preparation on the on the back end things that that you had no idea would play into that wind up playing into a moment like that when it happens and i think that all, almost daily i have an experience like that with my son you know you've got three kids and they're they're all much older than mine so you've probably got a thousand times as many experiences like that yeah. where where you like something happens and you're like 
I just dadded the hell out of that. Oh, I'll tell you stories. Yeah, I got a couple good ones. Lay them on me. Uh, so this is really cool. We went on vacation. And, you know, there's so many distractions and everything. This was about five or six years ago. And we went to, it was Niagara Falls. So I remember that night, I was like, we were having this conversation with the waitress. I still remember. There's a reason for why. And we're as we're talking, you know, it was like nobody there. So here's a tip. If you want to go to Niagara Falls for the week of Thanksgiving, nobody's there. We literally on the tram, on the bus, were the only people. We got on the wrong bus. The bus driver was like, don't worry. Reverse course to take us. There's nobody there. Now it's cold, but the falls look exactly the same. We were in a restaurant with only two other people. That's it. We're overlooking the falls. And we were talking. And I remember my kids were, you know, whatever. When we went downstairs, I go, guys, what was the name of the restaurant? I don't know. This I go, really? So I go, observation game. What is that? I go, and I started asking, what was the name of the waitress? So the next day I go, look, I'm going to ask you questions about the falls. So as we're going, there was a poster of like who went over the falls in a barrel. Mm-hmm. And I'm like reading it. And I'd see my daughter. Now they're they're younger. They're like nine, 10, 11 at that point or something like that. So they're like, and I go, so later at dinner, I go, how many people went over the falls in a barrel? Like, I think it was three. What was it? How what was the boys? Two. What was the name of the restaurant from last night? This. And so they were really hyper observant, which is a cool game that we, so every time we go somewhere now, it's observation game. And I played like them against mom. Sometimes it's, and this was the really cool thing that I, the reason why I said it on the way home. So we drove home from, from uh, Buffalo. Well, we really were in Canada all the way to Miami. So we stopped a couple of times along the way. And there was a hotel that had this clock, a picture of a clock. And it said 115. We get in the car, we're driving home, like observation game. I go in the hotel. My daughter goes, the clock said 115 dead. <laughs> so, so they knew that it was like, pay attention. So when I, when I go, oh, that is a cool dad moment where I created this game from nothing, Yeah. but it made yeah. them really present in the world. And we still do that now. Now it's more complicated because they're older. So you got to go like 95 levels deep on something, but it's a cool, like I learned something that day about being like how to, how to take my skill or my craft to the next level, you know? So I, I want to go back to something you said, because I actually wrote down a note. There's a lesson that I was taught from somebody. I'm going to butcher it a little bit, but there's like four stages of like competency. I don't know if you ever heard this. It's called um, your, your um, unconscious incompetent. There you go. Yeah. Maslow. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Unconscious incompetent, constantly. Incompetent. Well, when you get to it, once you recognize, okay, I'm not competent. Now that you're, you're recognized you're in the game. And what's the next step? You're consciously competent. You know you're good until you become a point where you're in flow state. That's when you were saying, like, you're playing and you're not thinking anymore. Well, if you recognize that path and where you're on it, then at least you have a signpost. It's like when you're on a journey, if you can recognize some of the terrain that someone's told you about, you know you're in motion. And I think knowing that's key as a dad, as, a, as an entrepreneur, as a human being, okay, I'm not where I want to be. Where am I at in this thing? And then you kind of get there. You work on it. So... Yeah, that that idea of um, that you're talking about, I think it comes from Abraham Maslow, and it's the conscious incompetent or uh, unconscious incompetent. I don't know right. how to do it. I don't even know what it is. Right? If I don't, I don't even know, know if I don't yeah. even know if I don't even know what a guitar is, or if I don't even know what a what an IRA is, you know, then then there you go. So it's it's ignorance. Mm-hmm. Second is 
conscious incompetence. I know what a guitar is and I started plinking around on it. Or I, I understand that an IRA is a thing that we do investment with, but I don't really understand right. the inner workings of how it is. Right. Um, exactly. And, and truly that's where most of us are with most topics in all of our, in all of our life. And that's okay. Right. And then the yeah. next step is the, you put some practice and some time in and you're a conscious competent. That means you know what it is and you're able to do it a little bit, or you're able to do that's it right. to some level of skill. And then the final step is, is, is conscious or unconscious competent. And that's mastery. It's become a part of you. Yeah. Right. And, um, I love that you're doing this observation game. I'm actually, I've never thought of that. Never heard of that, but my son is at Do the it with point, your son. Oh, he's at the point now that I think it could be something we could have fun with. Cause like, even now we'll be driving somewhere and he'd be like, can we play I spy? And I'm like, yeah, totally. So to, to me, this is just like an evolution of I spy. Yeah. Um, Look, but, they, look that trip. They still remember what they ate for dinner because they ate like, like Fred in kind of poutine is like French yeah. fries with cheese. They remember that. I go, where's the first time I ate it? Oh, is it this restaurant? I go, look at how cool it was because they became hypersensitive. And you know, we need that now when everything is a distraction. Yeah. So yeah. it's such a. It was such a. Like I said, that was a. That was a cool dad moment. I should patent that idea. Like it's that good. So for your son. And it's more fun for you because you got to be in the world paying attention because you're right. like, I got to figure out, like they're looking at a picture, but they know what the game is now. So what, what question can I ask that's deep that they, and it's like, it becomes a game that you're playing with yourself and them. And it's, it's yeah, really fun. It, it becomes so. that balancing act of what question can I ask that will challenge them, but not, not to the point that they're not going to be successful at it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm I, I wrote that down. I'm glad we're recording this. I'm going to start playing that with my son. And and I may actually play around with that idea and see see what I can once I've played with it a little because, you know, I'm I'm unconscious, competent, you know, before we started this call. Now I'm conscious and incompetent or however the right words are of it. Now I'm yes, going yeah, to play with this a little bit. And that may be something that I that I take to the Facebook group or that I take to, or, or you could take this Facebook group too, or that, or that I kind of develop as one of the things that we can do within the advancing man um, coaching program with the, the dads that I work with, you know, looking for ways to connect with your kids. Cause that's, that's the thing that I'm always about. It's like, if we can connect with them at the level that they're at and have that conversation at that level, then that builds trust, that builds rapport, that builds a connection. And ultimately it builds things like cooperation, which is what people are really wanting when they're saying that their child is not obeying. Cause the, mm -hmm. I, for one, I have zero interest in having an obedient child, but I don't want him to just follow orders unquestioningly from whoever the authority figure is. I do want him to be cooperative though. I want him to, to, to take, other people's opinions or an authority figure's opinion and, and say, okay, does this make sense for me to do? If it does, I'm going to cooperate with it. So I think that, that that game, it's a very good cooperative game. It's building a multitude of skills. That's brilliant, man. I really you know appreciate what it does you too, that. Though? It lets them know that you're present with them too. Mm -hmm. Cause it's a really shared experience. Like you can go to the zoo and be there, but if you're going to the zoo and going, what color is that giraffe's bridle? Right, like that's they're like, wait a second, they're like that's three. Then you're you're totally immersed in their world with them. I think that they figure, like I have never had. I should talk to them now if they're a little bit older to ask them what it means to them because that would be kind of cool to get a little bit of an older yeah. perspective. But like we went to a hockey game recently. Now this is a different level, but it's like, do you remember what the jersey was? Like, what's the score? Like, 
and they're there in the moment. And I, and again, I could, it's, it, it's another experience level for sure. Yeah. That's, so. that's awesome, buddy. I, yeah, I am really glad that you shared that. Um, let's shift gears a little bit. Um, I, I gave some of your backstory, talked about some of the ups and downs that you had there, but like, how did your experiences as a child affect your being a father? Did you, did you say you have all your kids are daughters, all girls? No, no, no. I have a 15 year old son. And then uh, okay. 14, 13 year old, they're all in getting ready for their birthdays, but yes. Uh, and then two younger girls. So, wow. Um, whew. I would say, I think the, if you think about the, I would say the one couple of lessons that I remember as a kid, we never ate dinner without my dad at home, unless it was like something really dad's coming home at 10 o'clock at night. Cause he's stuck in a snowstorm when we were in New York, but it was like, we always eat at the table together. We had one TV. So we always watched together. Actually, we only have one T we have two TVs in our house total. Cause I don't like that's a shared event, but the, the dinner in the house thing was a big deal because it wasn't, well, let's go sit down and be quiet. And we're robots. It was like, what's going on today? What happened today? And it's that conversation. And right when my son was maybe three, where they were more in a routine of eating, like we were, we would put them at the table, have their high chairs around and we'd have family dinner. Now, when they're three, what conversation you have? Not a lot, but it was the, it was the, the, that was our tradition. And now our dinner table is like, it's always noisy. It's always, which I love. It's always a story about something, a conversation. There's no TV on to distract, unless let's say it's a Super Bowl. But like, but there's that conversation. So I, I that was that's a huge one. It's a huge one. I, I think the kitchen table is is probably the most important, complete most important thing in the house. One hundred percent. It's where decisions are made. It's where we're real. We're I'm Italian, so it's always the kitchen table has a lot of fun. But but when when people come to visit. You're going to the kitchen table, have a cup of coffee or do this, or maybe the couch that's close. But for a family, that should be key. And if you're not eating with your kids, I mean, this is me standing on a soapbox, but do it, man, what an opportunity to, 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 to learn about them, to, to, to ask them what, how, what happened in your day. And you know, that that story goes where, oh, there was an argument at school. I did that. Whoever it goes, it goes. And then you could sit back and observe and then be an active participant. And then you guide them. Like you said, you're, it's not obedient. Um, but you're drawing the box that they can play it, right? Not giving them exact paint by numbers, but here's the box, and here's how you can navigate life. And um, so for me, if I, if I would say one, I always saw my dad working. That work ethic was the key. Um, when we built the family business, I was 16, and like on Sundays is when we would add up the receipts. It was pre pre computers, and I remember that. So working on Sunday, working in. On, a, on your craft wasn't a nine to five. Thing. I don't understand nine to five. It makes no sense to me. Um, that mentality of 40 hours for 40 years is 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 a foreign comp concept to me, even if you work for somebody. So that's a whole nother conversation. But I did see that. I saw work ethic. I saw community. Probably the biggest ones. Well, to just kind of continue on with that thought, um, I'm I'm making I'm making a little note here. Um but to 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 continue on with that thought, um sitting around the table, having those conversations, having that shared experience like that. Um I I love that you put the stress on that. And when you were when you were saying that, I'm like, yeah, that is uh, tell me you're Italian without telling me you're Italian, right? Because <laughs> because I've I've been to Italy 
God, I don't even know how many times. I've been to Italy more times than I can remember. And and it was all in a short period of time. It's when I was traveling for teaching kettlebells and, and doing strongman shows and stuff like that. Um, but I'm I became very good friends with some people over there. And and that was the experience that I had. It's like we're gonna go out to eat. And like I'm in an American mindset of like, okay, we're gonna go out to eat. And, you know, 90 minutes later, we're gonna be back. No, 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 nah. no. And and it it took me a bit of getting used to 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 do that. But you know, like the next time I'm like, okay, now I know what to expect. You know, again um unconscious incompetent right mm-hmm. um but having those moments like that at that point of the day are are beautiful but also if we take into the take into account the state that the family can be in at that point if we're eating we're nourishing ourselves we're receiving good right if we're sharing with other people now we're sharing good back and forth and we're connecting in a very um, very organic, very life-giving place because you don't eat, you die eventually, right? Mm-hmm. But but in a case like that, it's this shared experience of we're all coming back to this center point, which is so beautiful. And one of the one of the things that um, when you were talking, it reminded me of that we do and have done since before my son was before he was even in a high chair. Really, like we would sit him in the little uh, almost like a. a car seat sort of thing we'd sit him on the table and we would eat and yeah and yeah, yeah. That- from 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 the time he could could eat solid food right um or play with solid food and smear it all over him at a dinner table which is something that that we did we uh we never did like purees or anything like that it's whatever we're eating we put on his plate in appropriate sizes for him and he would just smear it all over himself and now he's big and strong for his age but um we started and very and he likes different foods and his palate is pretty diverse Yeah, because that's a big issue right now. We can mm-hmm. get into that. We want to talk about food. Well, go ahead. Sorry. That's a, but there's, yeah. that's a huge lesson for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the approach that we use was a book that my wife um, found and read called baby led weaning. When she realized that, that it was time to, you know, start transition from breast milk to solid food. And I never knew it was a thing. And I looked at him like, this is brilliant. So like his first solid food was like avocado and bananas. And he just crunched it up and smeared it all over himself and got some in his mouth. And was, it was amazing. Yeah. And yeah, you're, it, we stopped keeping track of stuff at like 120 or 125 different foods that he had sampled at that point. Um, mm-hmm. He has, he has stronger opinions now that he's five, but yeah, definitely has a, a, a bigger palate like that. Like he will literally ask for carrots. So that's cool. But, um, the thing that we implemented there is we would each take turns and we, now it's all three of us that we take turns doing it. And sometimes he plays this game. Sometimes he doesn't really feel like it. And that's fine too. But the point is there's the repetition there. Like every night at dinner, this is part of what dinner is, right? Um, We, we do, uh, we call it doing gratefuls and we each take a moment and point out anywhere from one to five things that happened today that we can express gratitude for. And I tell you, it's it's a really cool feeling to just out of the blue have a four or five-year-old kid say, today I'm grateful that I play with my friends or that I watched, you know, Mickey Mouse, and I'm grateful that daddy made a delicious dinner. You know, I mean that 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 hits me still just talking about it. So um I think that everything that you said about that dinner table being the the hub for for the entire family dynamic and the relationship there that's beautiful and i love it um well, it's tribal too like when, when we're cavemen there's actually a really good book called um 
oh my god i just forgot it when i said it. I'll, it'll come to me yeah and it talks about like barbecue and why that's like like you know when you go to a house and there's a grill on it kind of draws you well when we're grilling meat and you're you know a million years or whatever it was a thousand ten thousand years ago that was the community it was the heat it was the light it was nourishment and what would happen there the stories the traditions so we're taking that and just modernizing it mm-hmm. but think about how many families eat and it's like separate it's like we're not meant for that right. it doesn't make any right. sense and then you wonder why things don't work because you're 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 doing something that's not even it's not even in our genes now and here's my soapbox thing dude learn how to cook learn how to make a basic few meals like it's not that hard but you know that's a big deal because when your kids see that you put love into it even if you're frustrated there's a level of hey they're going to eat this i got to take care of it and that translates to them for sure and then if you can get good at it you don't have to be a master chef but you can master some things that are healthy nutritious and by the way you spread their palate and makes them better in the world i have you know like how many kids like we would have kids coming over to a party and like we only eat pizza and i'm like since when like that's because you were conditioned that way because mm-hmm. you're telling me that that kid in vietnam isn't eating fish and like my you know hot sauce or mechanism. like you're telling me they're not doing that right of course mm-hmm. you just that became your tradition will work on your traditions you know yeah. it doesn't yeah. mean you, you spoon feed them broccoli but what i did with my kids is you got to try it. you got to try it and if you don't like it we'll do it a couple of different ways and then we'll say no but you got to try it because it's also seven times i think it's seven times before you can really say something you really like it or not right so and my son like now like he used to hate sour things so like lemon chicken anything with that but in a couple meals i started doing something he's like oh, i really like it i go you are such a pain in the ass but now you ask for it so i go but what does that tell you there's going to be something along the way of life you're not going to like give it time you may not you don't have to but notice there's an evolution in how you so it's a cool lesson yeah. because there's things that i hated before i used to hate cilantro with a passion now I like it. I don't know how that changed. Yeah. But but I let it change. Whatever. It's, you know what I'm saying? So if that's the case, then it should be with food. And food's a big deal, especially yeah. nowadays with everything yeah. just not nourishing. Well, and and to that same kind of point, I do not and have never liked onions in any configuration. Like if it's, you know, baked into a lasagna or something like that, and it's, I don't know, it, it's texture and taste, right? It's just, it's, it's not there. Like if there's an onion on my burger um, and it's touched the meat, like I, I, no I like begrudgingly that eat. Yeah. So I'm just, so, I'm, but I'm the opposite. Like I have, like give me onions. And then when you think it's enough, add more. I'm like, yeah. opposite of you. I had a, I had an aunt that would take those uh, Vidalia onions and, and she would just have a bag of them sitting next to her chair and she'd pick them up and eat them like apples. And I'm wow, like, that's wow, just that's, gross, but that's extreme. Yeah. Um, but, uh, my son liked them and he likes them cooked. He liked them raw. And he offered me one, one day at, at dinner. And I'm like, no, buddy, I don't like onions. He says, have you ever tried them? Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I have. And, and that's an example of the kind of interactions that I want to have. When I say that, I don't care yeah. if he's an obedient child. I want him to think for himself. I want him to call me out on stuff that I have said to him before, you know, and like, there's, there's been, 
plenty of times when something's been bothering me or I've been upset about something and he'll say, daddy, you're not speaking very kindly right now. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. And, and just the fact that he's standing up for himself and, and that he has the awareness of pointing that out, that this isn't normal behavior for you, dad, what's going on. And it's affecting me. Like, that's a big deal. And, and my wife and I've talked about it multiple times. Like how many people would be like, like, you know, do as I say, not as I do, you know, don't call me out on my stuff. I'm the daddy. You have to listen to me and all that. I'm like, no, no, absolutely not. Um, so uh, there's like, like if you're going to be a good leader, there has to be humbleness, humbleness built into it. Because if you think, you know, it all you're dead in the water in yep. anything. So you got to recognize, okay, I don't know everything. I may be farther along on the path, but I don't know everything. And so if I allow you to give me, call me out genuinely, because he's not calling you out because he hates you. He's calling you out going, this may not be, that allows you then if you're, if you're in the right mindset to go, let me, let me take a back step. There's merit there. Maybe mm -hmm. there's not merit, but at least you're, you can self-reflect. Sure. There's a lot of people that you're right. That just ended at the thing. And you're like, you're doing yourself a disservice because if that little dude's noticing it, chances are the world is too, but they're not going to tell you. They're just going to react to you and how look at your relationships and how things work in your life. So yeah. there's something to that. That's really important. Um, Something that you said earlier when you were talking about being around the dinner table, which is that that whole deal is, is amazing. I'm really glad you brought it up, but you're and 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 relating back to the ups and downs of your financial journey that you've been on. Um, I'm wondering what kind of entrepreneur spirit have you instilled in your kids? Because you you said the nine to five doesn't make sense to you. They've obviously never seen you do that. If it doesn't make sense, they're at an age now where they're um, they're understanding more about what that means and how money works and stuff. And um, well, like one of the things that I've done for myself, literally cycle broken for me is that when I talk to my son about money now, um, he like, not too long ago, ask where do how do you get money or where does money come from? And my initial response was to answer with this condition thing that I have, like, well, you go work and when you work, you you get money. And and but I, I managed to catch myself and I said, Well, there's two different ways that people get money. Lots of people work and that's how they earn their money. But the best way to get money is to find a problem that someone has. If you can solve it for them, they will pay you money to solve their problem. And he's like, oh, okay. And so, and I know that he's not registering what that means, but how many, you know, thousands of repetitions are we going to have over the next 10 years where when he's 15, he's, you know, running his own online business or something like that. So I'm curious, I'm, I'm looking down the road at your kids who are, you know, eight to 10 years older than mine and curious how they've played that out or how they are playing that out in their life because they've just seen dad be an entrepreneur all their lives. Um, I'll give you a, a, like two stories come to mind and a third one. So they're kind of, these are all related and two of them are how they react, which you don't, I never taught them, but they learned something. So the first thing I would tell you is I always tell them that the value you bring the world, the world is going to pay you in proportion to the value you bring it. What does that mean? Right? Well, I'm not knocking anybody. But most people can go to Starbucks and make frappuccinos. It's why they'll mean you could walk in and we'll get paid 15 bucks an hour. But I can't walk into an ER and do surgery. I don't, I don't, I don't know that. I don't, so that value is paid more. This is a big deal for people because it's why people get a career and then they bitch and moan the whole career while they're not getting paid more. 
because that's because the value that that career brings now that with the exception of a teacher, I think teachers bring value, they're underpaid, but you got to know that going in. So as an entrepreneur, you're right. How can I bring more value to the market? This is hard for people to understand because if you're making $10 an hour or $20 an hour, $20,000 a year, you got to look in the mirror and go, what value am I bringing the world? And why is the world giving it to me? There's a great, you, I know you know, you know, Jim Rohn, Jim yeah. Rohn, the, yeah. well, he has, he has a conversation. Now this is in the eighties. Like, why does somebody make $5 an hour? Why does somebody make $50 an hour, $500 an hour? And it's in relation to that. What, but the cool part about that is, is you can grow into the person that's more valuable, but you got to recognize that you got to grow into it. And that's where people, that's where you hear the complaints. Well, I'm only making 50 and my friend's making a hundred what's he didn't fall into it like the lie is that you're lucky you're lucky well if you're lucky in, a, in in income it's for a short period of time mastery and craftsmanship and value is what will pay you a long time which means you got to learn that and you got to recognize that so the one thing i tell my kids is look it's the value bring the world period so that doesn't mean you have to go to college i'm not saying good or bad but if you could bring value to the world the world will pay you it always will. It may not pay you on the time frames that you need. So you may have to be patient, but that's where, and then you go, well, how do I check that? Get a mentor that can tell you you're here and you're farther along. You're not. The mm -hmm. reason why Bruno Mars is going to make more money than me or you brings the world more value. Mm -hmm. Period. There's nothing wrong with that. I get that. So how can I be a better version of myself? I got to build my skill sets to bring more value to the market than the market will pay me. So I teach that to my kids. Now, there's two things that so these they're related kind of my son's 15 and he goes to me dad because we just i just rented a new office because dad you own the building do you own the office i go no we rent it he goes when i'm rich i'm going to own the i want to own a building why would i rent an office i'm like what and i and what's the first thing you want to say is like well you have to understand an office building and i'm like dude don't let that go like let that fly yes. and then he goes to me this it was so cool like he goes you know, when I'm rich, I want to have a person work with me that just take notes. I go, for what? He goes, because if I have a good idea, I may not have time to write down what they want. Well, that's called the personal assistant. He goes, yeah, I want one of those. Oh, and another thing. I want to get a chef, and I want him to learn none of That's my mom's. I want him to learn none of recipes so that I can eat her food whenever I feel like. And I'm sitting there going, dude, at 15 years old, I never thought like this. But what would we normally do? Like and it's like, no, let that thing fly. Yes. That's a dream. Let it go because don't don't put an anchor on it. So there's a lesson for that to him. But it's also cool to hear that now this is where I come in. Okay, you really want that, right? Here's the things you got to do. What do I got to do? Read, think, and grow rich. What do you mean? Read it. Read that book. It's going to be complicated. Read it and we'll discuss it. Read Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. That's perfect. Right Did you read? Have you read Secrets of the Millionaire Mind from T. Harvecker? I've not Fantastic. read that one. Okay, it's about the the mindset. It's about the like fixed mindset and growth mindset when it okay. comes to money. Great stories. I can, I'll give you a couple that are good. But so I'm like, you need to do that because this is not what they're going to teach you in school. Because unfortunately, school is going to teach you the nine to five mentality. Think about this. If you have a kid that's going to school, what's their Thursday night? Thank God it's Friday tomorrow. Well, that's a worker mentality. What happens on Sunday night when they're packing their books? Oh, my God, tomorrow. First off, the bullshit of working Monday through Friday in real life doesn't exist. When you have a business, you work when you have to work the business. It doesn't mean you have to work 700 hours a week, but you're going to have to put time. In. 
And those time restraints don't matter. If when you're doing, when you're playing music, you're practicing seven. You don't you play when there's a gig. Right. It's not when you when you clock in and clock out, right? When you're a parent, is there a time when you clock in and clock out? So an entrepreneur, you need to stretch those boundaries. The other thing is, you know, you gotta go, you gotta check your feelings because feelings don't matter. They're a complete, they're they're a false representation of reality. What do I mean by that? Well, think about this, right? You mean we were talking before this. You're in you're more north than me. So if I go outside where you live, I may say it's cold because I'm in Miami. It's more warm. But that's just my feelings to the environment. The real measure is the temperature. Right. If it's 50 degrees, it's 50 degrees. So what do I say by that? Well, you need to measure things without your feelings attached. Because you could be in a grind and going, it's not working. When you're like, yeah, it is. Look at the Look at the numbers or whatever the case may be. How right. does this relate? Well, it relates to business. It relates to school. Like if you do the right work and the right habits, you'll get good grades. But the grades are an indicator later on, not today. And how you feel about your school is doesn't is no relevance to me. It's what are you doing? And those are things that you have to have in business, 100%. You know when people have emotionally quit their business right before it popped because their feelings were not the, were the wrong indicator? Or when it comes to like investments, that's a big topic. Where people yeah. invest with their emotions, wrong thing to do. So I don't know how I got all the way to this piece, but it does relate to entrepreneurship because there's a lot of tools that you can use that are life hacks as well. You know? Yeah, I I, I like that you you brought up the thing about being paid according to value. That makes me think of I believe it was Ralph Waldo Emerson that called it the law of compensation, that you mm -hmm. will be compensated. Um in direct proportion, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing this, but you'll be compensated in direct proportion to um, the your ability to do something, the need for that. Th the Let me start over. The need for the thing that you're doing, your ability to do it, and difficulty in replacing you. Mm -hmm. And so, so that's, you, but you know what's so cool about that? It's available to anybody. Yeah. 100%. So, for anybody listening that's kind of stuck in neutral and like, I want that, we'll recognize you're going to have to do the work, but it's available to anybody. It's not, it's, you're not destined by your family tree, your neighborhood, your last name, your destination is tied to your work ethic. And now you may be starting from a different position and that's okay. I mean, we can recognize that, but your work ethic can get you to what you want. It's been proven universally. What people do wrong is that they're, they're don't want to do the work. Yeah. They just yeah. don't. I mean, it's sad to say it, but there's a th th that's a part of it. Yeah. So. Did Did Napoleon Hill say that persistence beats talent every time, or or something? something Somebody did, right? and it's one hundred percent true. Yeah, it's one hundred percent true. Yeah. Well, Hill's got that whole talent. Good. Well, here's a book. Did you ever read the Talent Code? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, what does that tell you? It's not the talent. It's that work ethic that built it into it in the quiet hours. Yeah. Yeah. It's so. the. It's the. Uh, oh, he's so talented. And you don't see the twelve thousand hours of practice that he put into to cultivating that talent. You know, you mentioned Bruno Mars earlier. You know, how 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 many times has he practiced that same dance move or that same, you know, singing those things? I I saw a bit with him, like a little short reel on uh, social media where he was on a stage, he was singing something, and it clearly not just rehearsed, but rehearsed perfectly that he does this because he's got the mic and he's got his eyes closed. And at this one particular point in the song, he holds his hand up 
And just out of nowhere from the front of the stage, this rolled up towel comes flying and lands directly in his hand and he pops it open. Never, never looked. He's like, pops it open, wipes his face, tosses it into the crowd. And I'm like, not only is he brilliant, but whoever his towel guy is needs a raise. Thousands of, yeah. Because like this, this goes into being a dad though, because with the, with social media, I, I watched this video one time. This kid threw a, a frisbee into a, a basketball. That's amazing. Right. But then there was a video. Of, it took him like 900 and something throws. So when your kid who's a thought, remember, like when we're kids, we watch something on TV. That's the authority in life. Right. Well, that's must be real. So now a kid looks at something on YouTube, TikTok, whatever the case may be. And they go, well, that's look at that. It took one minute, not realizing it took six months. And now they have a false perception of reality going, how come I can't do it? Now their self-worth goes down going, no, you didn't. They didn't show that part. They didn't yeah. show a guy doing an incredible guitar solo. Right. But it took him eight weeks to practice the first part. Like you didn't see right. that. And it's fingers bleeding because there's no that we have as dads. We have to go, wait a second. There's something else to this thing. You missed this piece. This wasn't put in the thing. Um, this is the other story I was going to tell you. My daughter's in. Um, She's in uh, volleyball. Terrible. She's terrible. She's never played volleyball, but she gets on JV. They don't have enough players, but she wants to learn. And at, at the second game, she doesn't get in. So there's two games. And now remember, they're crappy. Every kid should play. So the, the third, like at the third practice or the third, the, the practice between the third and uh, second and third game, she's like, I quit. I go, why? She's like, I don't really care about this. It's not that important. And I go, time out. And this is a big lesson because I really use it for myself. I go, it is super important. What you're doing is you're lying to yourself, telling you not important, so the pain doesn't hurt as much. Instead of realizing it's super important, but I go, here's the here's the lesson. If you want to play in the game, how you practice matters. You need to be the loudest cheerleader for those kids playing. And if you do that, stand next to the coach, listen, be enthusiastic, your time will come. Because the lesson here isn't about volleyball. This is a life lesson of when you feel like quitting, recognizing why. Well, guess what? She gets it in the fourth game. She starts the rest of the year because she was the good teammate first. So for me, think about like all the lessons when you're a dad, when you're like, I don't want to do something. Wait a second. Why am I saying it's not important? It really is more than that. And then finding what the real lesson is to be able to, to learn and to teach our kids, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, to that point, we're all human. We're all figuring this out as we go, this dad game and stuff. And I'm I'm real fond of the saying that that being a dad is the the most intense personal development journey that I did not realize I was signing up for. Or Oof, it, good way to put it. Right. And um we all have our moments where we're not at our I don't want to say not at our best, but we're we're not at we're not presenting or connecting the way that we would ideally want to. We're not living up to the standard that we want to be at. Like maybe you get frustrated, maybe you get angry, maybe you're distracted by something. I know in the Facebook group that we're in, in the dad's club. And um, I've actually had a couple of the guys from that, uh, from that group who are the admins on this show and, and great bunch of guys over there. Got to, you know, drop a quick plug in there for that, for the for dad's sure. club. But um, how we handle ourselves in moments of, of anger or frustration matters a great deal. So how do you as a parent handle interactions with your kids in moments when you're upset about something or when you're angry about something, especially if it's something that is being triggered by what's going on with them? 
like the position mm. I'm in right now, this is this is a like it's time for you to get in the car seat stuff. But you've got older kids now; they're hitting those teenage years, and I know that. Um, just like from an evolutionary standpoint, it makes sense that teenagers are going to hit a, a stride where they think that the that the parents don't know what's going on. Because if we look back, you know, 10, 20,000 years and everybody's around that caveman fire, those are optimal breeding years back then. And it's time for it's it's time for me to leave the tribe and go be a grown up or, you know, the whole rite of passage stuff like that. So you're hitting that point and I, I'm looking down the pipe 10 years. And so like, how do you handle yourself? Yeah. And like, how have you done it in the past? How do you do it now? There's what kind of strategies for any, any guys who are out there that are like having difficulty with that? Talk to us. I would say now that they're a little bit older, I think one of the keys in life, especially when you're in uncharted waters, could be in business, could be with a client, could be with your kids, is take a step back and ask questions. In other words, why are you feeling this way? Why are we having that? Give me some more information because normally what your perceptions are may not be the exact reality of them, right? Sometimes they're angry and you're going, I think it's this. And it's not that, that is this, it is something that happened three days ago because of this. So I think slowing down and asking questions is key. So it allows you to more, it allows you a bigger picture of the terrain so you can navigate it. Number one. But I think saying doing the same thing, like, why am I upset today? What, what, what's pissing me off? What happened? Why are they going to get affected by it? Like they don't like that wasn't. And, and it's self-reflection. It doesn't mean it happens in real time. I mean, we're humans, we react. But then also going, like, going back and saying, yeah, I screwed up. What do you mean? Yeah, I, I yelled at you before. It really wasn't about you. I had this issue here, yada, yada, yada. I apologize. That's a huge deal. And it's humbling. It's really humbling because it's not, sometimes you got to do it. And it's like, you were part of the issue. Right? But I'm also the, I got to show you how to take 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 responsibility for what you did. And I think that's been a big evolution. I actually, the other day, I um, I was talking to a lady, was really rude about something. It was something to do with customer service, um, not related to business. And I'm like, man, this is really, and I dropped the F-bomb. Like, this is really effing crazy. But it wasn't a her. I'm trying to figure out like like the the times where everything that they had was wrong. I mean, this is really effing good. I got to figure out my schedule. And she hung up the phone. When I called her back, she was like, are you going to curse me? And I go, Oh, it wasn't about you. I just, that's, that's how I, talk. unfortunately, that's how it's, I go on. And she was like really rude. So once I finished about 10 minutes later, I'm like, what would I tell my kids? So guess what I did? Pick up the phone. Hey, it's me again. I go, look, I apologize. I, I hope I didn't ruin your day. It wasn't. And I go, and I, because I go, I want my, like, I want ownership of that. Cause maybe I screwed up her day and her life is screwed up. And maybe I said something that made, like, it wasn't my fault, but I recognize that. And right. I've been doing that with my kids going, maybe there are times where I may have said something or or I'm not understanding it enough and I'm reacting. So let me kind of take a step back. And if they're, you know, and then having a, an honest, genuine conversation, but asking questions and actually not judging the answers, listening first, genuinely listening. Because I think of all the skills that, that we should really build on, and I've always worked on this, the ability to listen. Because we ask a question and we already put the answer out there. No, nah, it's not like listening because it'll give you the real clues to what the, the stories are, you know? So yeah. I don't know if I answered your question, but no, no, that was that was great. And it it um it makes me think something that that I do, I don't do it every night or I don't do it every day with my son, but when I think about it, I'll probably do it once or twice a week. Um if we're doing bedtime or or it's the end of the day and we're we're, you know, 
winding down and everything that goes along with that, I will ask him, is there anything that I did or said today that I need to apologize for? And usually he says no, but sometimes he'll, he'll say, yeah, and that, you know, that I spoke unkindly and it's usually something that he's called me out about before too. But on, on a few rare occasions, he will say, yeah, when you did or said this thing, I didn't like that. And I'm like, okay, well that, and it's almost always something that had nothing to do with him. Like you talking about with the lady on the phone, you know, I'm yeah. my, my internet connection is not going well and I've got a tone in my voice and he didn't like it when I, you know, spoke to him in the middle of, of that with the same tone. And, um, I've, I've talked to other people about that and they're like, well, you know, he's just a kid. You don't need to apologize for that. But I do, I do, because I want him to, like you said, Gio, to own your mistakes and own the kindness that you either share with people or that you don't share with people. Because if, if I'm telling him that kindness is an important quality and I'm not modeling that for him, then I need to know about it. And I, if if personal responsibility and like like really owning the fact that everything that's going on in my world is a result of me. It's not your fault. It's not the lady on the phone's fault. Um, yep. I have to own that. And and part of that is being uncomfortable. And part of that is having people call you out and, and, and tell you that sort of stuff. So I, I do that to put into him um, that level of awareness that, that, you know, if daddy's acting that way, or if daddy, you know, says something that way, then that's not okay. But also to model that, like when he gets grown and, and, and years from now that, that he does that same sort of thing that he owns his own behavior. Well, let me tell you something, like, this is where people are going to misunderstand what we're saying. And you're going to get guys that are going to say, F that I'm the, I'm the alpha male. This is how it goes. And great. Good for you. Here's the problem though. There's going to come a time where you're going to bark a command because it needs to happen. And they're not going to listen to you because you've used all your capital on bullshit, on nonsense. And when you really need it, they won't listen. But if you're genuine, you go, this is how it is. And we're having a communication. And there's a moment you're like, we got to go, whatever that happens to be. It could be an emergency. It could be, a, just a, a decision they're like okay they're, because there's no there's no gray area when you're just that general yelling and yelling and yelling guess what the troops eventually do f yourself dude we're not doing it and then that happens at a critical moment mm -hmm. you know when you're like we're making a family decision we're doing this and everybody's like we're, and maybe not and you're going why is the troops not following me because you burnt that bridge so really good leaders there's a humbleness there's a strength but there's a humbleness knowing I may not figure it all out. And there's a lot of guys for sure. that are like, we're going to rule my, I am the general, I'm the captain. Well, there's nobody following you in right. your life, in your business, in your career, in your friends. If you're the lone wolf, good luck to you. But we're not, wolves are pack animals. We are pack animals from our, whatever you believe, revolution, we're pack animals. And if you think you're going to be that, you're way outside the box. And you're not, and that, and that's a harsh reality. But the best way to, but how do you fix that? Well, you got to come to terms with who you are and what your job is, right? And what the goals are. And your job isn't to raise robots. It's to raise people that have the abilities to navigate the world, not to follow orders. If you want to follow orders, congratulations. There's a worker, there's a worker bee job for you. Mm -hmm. But if you want to really 
accelerate in this world, you need to have some massive skills. And you're not learning that by being yelled at and told. You're learning that by somebody molding you. So that's a, I can I I can I mean damn dude that's yeah. a huge topic and it's and it's a mess. Well, and it's a mess. And you a couple of things like I jotted notes down while you were saying that a couple of things that 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 brings to mind for me is I have yet to meet anyone who walked into a room and declared themselves to be an alpha that was actually an alpha. You yeah, know, it's, it's the, the loudest man in the room is never the most secure man in the room. He's never the it's most, not the dangerous. scariest one. No, mm-mm. no, it's, it's the guy who just is unaffected is the one who is probably the most dangerous man or the most secure man in, in the room, depending on, you know, the, what room we're talking about. But mm-hmm. I, I, I know this is a financial term that you used and I like the way that you said it. And, um, you said capital and, and. I scribbled this down when we, it, it reminded me of a quote that I saw once that said, the more often we say yes to a child, the more meaning a no will have when we need to bring out a no. Right. So, so there's a lot yeah, of because, times, yeah. uh, there's a lot of times we will tell a kid no simply because it's inconvenient for us. You know, is it okay for me to go jump in the puddle? No, because then I'll have to clean you up. And we're missing an opportunity for, you know, a four-year-old kid to go explore the world explore. that way. Yeah. But, but what you're talking about there, I think, relates to that because in doing that, in saying yes, and having that cooperative experience, we are, we are investing in emotional capital, we're investing in communication capital, and we're doing that by investing in connection capital. So the more of that of reserves we have built up in our capital around that connection and the communication and the emotion when we need to, to do like make you said a withdrawal. Earlier, when yeah, you need when, to make a withdrawal, have you deposited enough to be able to make a withdrawal? Yes, 100%. exactly. Exactly. And you'll, you'll see kids grow up going, they're not connected to their parents, right? Because look at the amount of deposits they make. Right. When they're driving every day to school, they're on their tablet, never having a communication. When they go home, they're in their separate rooms. And then you expect to have something later. Dude, you put no, no effort in. Listen, being a parent is not easy. Nobody ever said it was, accept it. Mm-hmm. Period. You're well, raising that's... a human being, you know, like, but there's a way to do it where the deposits will end up compounding. We can get into finance. The deposits, what you put in is larger than what you take out. But that's an investment. There's nothing else that works that way. There's nothing else, an investment of time, energy, effort, money. If it compounds, you'll put something in, you'll get more out later. Mm-hmm. But you ain't doing that with little baby deposits or no deposits, right? Or only asking for withdrawals. Good luck with that equation. Yeah. That doesn't exist in this planet. Yeah, in this universe. Well, and so. if 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 we're looking at you know emotion and communication and connection, and all a guy's ever doing is making withdrawals, and he rarely, if ever, makes a deposit, and if he does, it's a small deposit. That only leads to one place, and that's bankruptcy in the relationship, right? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a good conversation we're having here. Um, I'll give you my pet peeve that I see all the time on the chat now so uh-huh. we can get into this. But I see this thing and I'll, I'm interested in I'm interested in your take on it. But you'll see a lot of guys that are financially have issues and they go, listen, don't work the extra hours because your kids only grow up once. They need you. Right. And I look at that and I go, 
were you were you crushing it when you didn't have kids? Were you working and grinding? And then when you had kids, you slowed down? Or have you been lazy the whole time? And that's your excuse. And I believe that to be because you can work on yourself in the hours that they're sleeping and doing other things mm -hmm. and do both, right? But I think that that kids become, and I guess where I'm going at is they become an excuse. They need, they're not the excuse. There should be a reason, but not an excuse. Because if you use your kids as an excuse now, when you're nothing later or when the relationships are shitty or when the bank account is shitty, you there become the, the reason. And now you'll blame them for it. They can't be a, a part of that part of the equation where they're the excuse. To the, you got to do it because that's your responsibility and you're doing it at next level for them. But if you blame them or use them as an excuse, they're going to be the blaming mechanism later. Definitely. I'm not where I'm supposed to be in life because of you. Really? That's what that's that's not how it works. So I've yeah, seen that a lot. And I think that's the one of the biggest BS markers there is. It's a lie that people tell themselves to make themselves feel better. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you on that one for sure. Um to that point, you're a, finan a financial guy, finance guy. Um and like in the groups that, that that we're in together, we see guys that come up with stuff like that. Um, what advice would you offer to um, let's, let's start with this. Let's start with guys who are, are like really struggling to make ends meet and they don't necessarily have the option as an hourly employee to work more overtime. Maybe they're working like 10 hours a day, six days a week okay. already. Right. So like, what are some ways? What are some ways that guys in that sort of position can leverage themselves or leverage things that they know um, to start to kind of jumpstart themselves into a more prosperous mindset? Okay. Let me give you the, even before that, right? Think about this analogy I'm going to tell you. If, if we decided as a group, whoever's listening to this thing, that we're going to go on a vacation together. Mm -hmm. Before we buy a plane ticket, before we rent a car, we need to know the destination because the destination will dictate the vehicle. If we're going to go to the Bahamas, you can't run a car, you can't drive there, there's no bridge. It's a boat or a plane. So think about what I'm going to tell you. The destination of your life, what you want, should dictate the vehicle. How many people do we know that graduate college to become a history teacher that never make enough money to go visit the places they're teaching about? Well, if you thought about the destination of your life first, you would figure out what needs to get done. So number one, before you choose a career or a path, Spend some time on what your, what your non-negotiables are. Forget everything else. If I died here, what would I want? I want to touch the pyramids. Like, okay, fine. If that's it. Well, then why are you a history teacher making $37,000 a year? There's no math we can get you there. You chose the wrong vehicle that's going to fall apart before it gets there. So number one, that choice is where do you want first is the biggest thing. And then what's the choice? Now, people are going to tell you, well, I was, this is the options that I have. That's not true right now. In America, 2024 with digital technology, remote, you know, the ability to move. I know that these are not easy things, but damn, 50, 60 years ago, my my grandparents, my grandfather left Italy and worked in Venezuela for years, then went to New York to make money to then bring his family. So it wasn't like he was going 40 hours and didn't see his, he didn't see his kids for years. Why? Because the better life, the destination was that big that he had to do what he had to do. So number one, what do you really, what are the non-negotiables? And these are the things. Don't say, it's got to come to a point where you go, I don't even know if I can get that. That's the non-negotiable, that big thing that you want, right? And then you got to figure it out. So now what if somebody's in a career or a job? 
What's that conversation? I want this, this, and this. I want to be debt-free. I want to have this. I want to have that. Okay. There's what are you doing can get there? Got to be honest. No. Well, then we got to make a decision. Either we're going to be on a boat that's eventually going to sink or you got to jump ship. That's not easy, though. But there are careers that you can do that. Real estate. Oh, but I don't like to sell. Hold on a second. Just bear with me, right? Financial services. Um, there are certain side things. Like if you're a trades, you, you can do part-time stuff. The question is, are you willing to learn and get those skills up to a level that can do that? Because if you can't, if you're not willing to do that, then you've already set sail and what you're going to get is what you get. Play it out long term and you can see. Right. There's emerging technologies and stuff that's going to change a lot of things. Are you up to speed on that? Do you even know who to talk to? Are you in part of a group that can give you guidance? Now, here's a big one. Your circle of people. Because the minute you announce, I'm a roofer, but I'm going to get my real estate license and your friends go, you don't know how to sell wrong group of friends. You need to be with a group that are going, what are you going for? Let's do it. Okay, go for it. So you may not have that in your close circle, your family and friends, but that's where community comes in. That's where, like, what two entrepreneurs are talking, different conversation than a worker mentality entrepreneur. Why? Because there's just a different mindset. I'm not saying one is better than the other. I'm just saying that there's different conversations. So if you're going to go for something different, you need to be around people that have gone for something different. They're going to tell you different things. For example, you've been in the strongman, you've been in the in the exercise, if I'm going to go do that, I got to talk to you, not my knucklehead friend that's eight pounds overweight, because what's he going to tell me? You're going to break an arm. You can't do that. You need to be tell somebody who goes, dude, it's going to be rough, but you can do it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you're in the game and you're struggling financially, what are things that I can do that can get me there? What are the things that I want? Because if you know you can want, if you can have it, there's a whole nother gear inside of it. There's multiple gears inside of it problem is you may have been conditioned you may look around your neighborhood and go nobody i know has gotten it that doesn't mean anything you just got to learn the rules of the game and go for it so the mindset is a big deal and recognize you're going to have to grow mentally emotionally in ways that you couldn't imagine because the guy you got and this is the sad part chances are most people have this is the best they'll ever have what do i mean by that their bodies are going to get weaker they're going to get older. Life is going to change. Inflation is going to grow. If you're not growing and evolving, this is probably the best. That should scare the shit out of some people. But the option is, wait a second, I can also grow quicker and faster. In this day and age, with the amount of information and mentorship and coaching and guidance, you can take a real spirit that you have inside and unleash it and grow exponentially. It's totally possible. With the rare exception, it's completely possible but you need to know where you're going. Otherwise it's a fruitless journey. So yeah. it goes, it's reverse engineering. It's the, we talked about this even pre-show. If I want to build a house, I got to get a blueprint way before I got a piece of wood. If I want to bake a cake, I got to know the ingredients. I got to get the recipe. Well, what do you want? And then you could build a re reverse it. Well, you can get the recipe for what that takes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, a lot of stuff you touched on there. That, that, that little clip that you just said is worth money. We could like, take that and pull it out and sell it if we wanted to. You touched on um, on something from Napoleon Hill in that, whether you realize it or not, or whether people listening realize it or not. If but you I'm touched channeling on, him, that's a good thing. You, you touched on the mastermind principle. Oh, for right? sure. That's and, 100%. And yeah, because the, the mastermind principle, um, 
directly offsets the uh, the unconscious incompetent we were talking about earlier, right? It yes. it it allows us to to um to bend time yes. really, right? Yes. Uh, if, mm-hmm. if I can learn from your mistakes and um the employee mentality you were talking about about this being as good as it gets, you know, I talked about Myron Golden earlier. It made me think of another quote or and i'm i'm going to paraphrase it from him he says there is no one in the world who has 30 years experience driving a forklift and this is not a not a bash on anybody that drives forklifts that is listening but this is you know if, if you analyze this it'll make sense to you you have eight weeks experience driving a forklift repeated for 30 years mm-hmm. because because okay, so here let's let's build on that there are certain skills that will always pay more what are they so in my opinion, this is not a communication skills work. Up, like, so here's what I tell perfect. Cause we're talking about, I told my wife, our kids are going to have two things of leaving this house, communication skills and networking skills and communication skills. I mean, speaking and listening. Cause if you have those two skills, I don't care. I don't, I will bet a million dollars that I could plant you someplace and you will thrive. Because you can ask, you can question, you can learn, you can communicate, and you can build a network. So if you look at the your life, there are certain skills that always pay more. Do you have them? And if you don't, where can I learn? Why is communication? It's this. Because if you can communicate and you're – what happens with communication is people start to like you. They'll spend time with you. If you're listening to them, they recognize that. So they're, they know that their words are valuable to you. And you can grow that way. Networking is building a group of people that have different mindsets, cultures, experiences that you can then take from quicker and then exponentially grow. So do you know those things? Or are you playing eight hours of Fortnite a week and you're a master of Fortnite, which will never pay you money? You got to be like, you got to be real. Are you a master of mixing drinks? Go be a bartender. And if you're not going to be Tom Cruise, it's not going to pay you the money. So what skills do you have? And if you're lacking them, look in the mirror and go, okay, that's got to get me. Right? I love, I mean, me and you, we talked about it. I like noodling around on my guitar, but I'm not going to be Dave Matthews. So if I have only eight hours of a week to build myself, it can't be playing guitar right now. Right. If I'm not where I'm at, it's got to be where can I compound my efforts that will springboard me? You know? So I would say, what skills are you missing that can get you there? And if you don't know, being around a group of people, they'll tell you honestly, genuinely. And if they're the right group of people, it's not bickering and, and bitching and moaning. It's, dude, just do this to get there. Because real elevated people are not going to knock you down. If they see the effort, they're like, dude, come on, come on, come on, come on, do this, do this. And if you're honest and you're working on it, they'll pour into you. Real people. If they're pains in the ass and they're at that, they're they're arrogant, that's a, the wrong person. So you know what? Like that's where minds, the the masterminds come in. Because when somebody's genuinely trying, man, people will rally around. Yeah, and there's a there's a very distinct difference to that point um, of being around someone who says, "Well, there's no way you'll ever be able to do that," versus someone who's like, "I don't think that part is going. Or I don't think that idea is going to work. Let's let's play with it a little bit, right? Those those sound very similar, but they are completely the opposite. Totally different. One is one I, is someone above you pulling you up, and the other one is someone below you pulling you down. Exactly. And so look, look, I've never run a marathon. That's one of the things in life that scares the hell out of me. But let's say I want to do it eventually. But talking to my next door neighbor who's never done it, what are they going to tell me? Your ankles are going to hurt. Maybe you're going to die. Uh, For sure, you're going to like, 
they're going to tell you all the negatives. But if you talk to somebody that's running, what are they going to tell you? Okay, look, mile number four, your quads are going to get a little tight. Okay. Mile number five, six, you're going to be in a rhythm. Nine is when you're going to want to quit. So you're going to know that. 10, make sure you're hydrated, yada, yada, yada. So now guess what happens when you're running? My quads hurt. Oh, this is normal. So when you talk to somebody that's been on the journey going on being a dad, like being an entrepreneur or whatever, being a strong man, you're like, this is what it is. When you get to that point, you're like, okay, it's uncomfortable, but it's normal. Mm -hmm. Now you know to go through that. That's where mentorship comes in. And that's the difference between having a pain in the ass, bitch and moan, like that's not going to support you and give you that springboard and having somebody going, dude, I've been there. It's not comfortable. You're still going to run those miles by yourself, but I'll shadow you. I'll right. be there cheering on mile number nine. That's community. And if you don't have that around you, find some. And this dad's group that we're in should be that. Should be that for sure. Definitely. Because there's greatness. There's greatness among a group and that greatness compounds. This is what's amazing. You, you're great by yourself. I may be great, but together we can create an exponential effect. And if when you have that kind of, that kind of synergy with a bunch of people, you can change literally generations. Definitely. That's awesome stuff. Um, I want to take a couple minutes before we wrap up and you mentioned this before we hit record earlier. And this, this has turned into one of those episodes. I'm like, Oh, we've been talking about 20 minutes. I look around. It's been like an hour and a half. So, I know. I've been looking at this. Yeah. yeah. It's good. So um, I want you to take just a couple minutes um, before we go into, um, I like to do rapid fire questions at the end, but before we go okay. into that, um, I would like for you to tell me a little bit about that picture of the tree that mm. is hanging behind you on video. And if, you, if you're listening and not seeing video, um, there's a, a framed picture hanging behind Geo of a tree, and I'm going to let him talk about it. So the it's a reflection. It kind of looks like a reflection, but there's four quadrants. It's two trees, one on top of the other, and basically it's the four seasons. So one tree is very orange. One is the next one is green. Next one is, well, one's yellow, one is green, orange, and then bare. And it represents the seasons. And I saw that painting and I, and I was like, dude, I love it. First off, the office that I'm in is every, it's gray and black, very industrial, which is super cool, but I wanted to color my office. So I'm like, that's what's going to be. But it represents the seasons of life. And here's why. No matter what, spring always follows winter, no matter what. Summer follows spring fall and then winter it's a cycle it could be short it could be long it could be deep but that's the thing so why is that important because if you're in the winter of your life spring is around the corner and what do you do when during winter sometimes you got to hunker down right you got to just bundle up let it pass but if the hope of spring will give you that what do you do in spring you you work you plant you plant those things. So if you're in the season of your life and it's spring and you recognize that, you go all in. What's summer? Summer's when you have to watch and wait for the weeds because the weeds will come. That's the negative people. That's the negative ideas. That's the negative thoughts. Your mind going, I did all this work. Nothing's happening. Right. Now fall comes and you get to harvest what you planted in spring. There's a delay. And if you did the right harvest and you did the right spring, your winter could be relatively short. So I think I love that because we're all going through that. You can actually be in one season in one place and a different season in another. You may be in the spring of your health and in the winter of your finances. Right. And I love that because it first off, it puts perspective, but it also tells you you have control. And so when I saw that, I'm like, oh, it's such a cool, such a cool visual thing. And 
um, we bought a couple of different paintings like that. So there was, there's five of them and we're five people in my house with my wife and kids. And what, one of the things, tr here's a tradition thing. When the kids leave, I want them to each take one. So there's a little, we created a tradition where they'll each have something like this, so it connects us all. So there's a lot of symbolism and meaning to it besides just, it looks cool and it's got colors, but you know, traditions in life matter traditions in your family because you're creating your own traditions right yeah um yeah building on your parents and sometimes erasing them and building new ones so there you go yeah thanks for sharing that i um i love that thank um, you let's move into rapid fire and then we'll wrap this thing up um the way i like to do this i'll ask a question whatever comes to mind you answer it and then we just keep going on the next one. sound good yeah. all right give me your best dad joke Oh my God, do I have even a dad joke? You caught me off guard. I don't even know now. And I'm a clown. I'm a comedian, but I think a lot of them are rude. So I don't even know if I have a clean. Come back to that one, maybe. I got one for you. Go for it. You go. You take this one for me. Did you did you did you hear about the guy who dipped his um testicles in glitter paint? No. Pretty nuts. <laughs> Okay, good. I'm I'm you waiting for one. You win that rapid fire. You get point number one for this. <laughs> um, what's a useless talent that you have? Playing acoustic guitar. Um, personal mantra or belief that you want to pass on to your kids? Gratitude. Stay in gratitude. Work on it. I've really been working on myself really recently on this more than ever. But gratitude's a big deal for sure. Um. Favorite business book? Oof, there's so many. I'll give you a new one that I read that's been on my mind, Tribe of Millionaires. Tribe of Millionaires? Yeah, I just read it, so it's the one most recent, but it's actually, it's a cool story. It's a little cheesy mm -hmm. at some points, but there's really great lessons in there, really good lessons. So I would say that's, a, that, that's it is on my mind. Favorite parenting book? Um... It's a, it's a sleeping book called um, Healthy Baby, Happy Baby, Healthy Sleep, Sleepy Baby, Happy Baby, something with those titles in it. And it's about understanding the sleeping habits of kids so that you can get them on a rhythm. We kind of talked about this before. She, it, it, listen, we should put that in a liner notes. It's it's a sleep and kids are a big deal. Happy Baby, Healthy, Healthy Baby, Happy Sleep. Man, I'm forgetting the title, but whatever. We can look it up. No big deal. Yeah. Um, if you could only eat one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? Uh, you're talking to a foodie. Pizza, man. I want to say sushi, mm. even though I'm Italian. I say sushi. Unexpected, but that's cool. Um, David Lee Roth or Sammy Hagar? Sammy Hagar. Oh. For me, the answer he plays, is always. he plays guitar and he sings better. I think I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna rest my little. I think they had better albums, even though the first two were they're great. They're all great. I just right. I think that's the era that I, I 1984 was a was a I remember the album coming out. So I, was, I guess that why why yeah. as well. So yeah, well that's that's the the five year difference in our age right there. That and I agree and shows yeah. up right there. Um, um, for me the answer. If anyone ever asked me that question, the answer is always Edward. 100 percent epic i mean just one of the greats of all time. yeah um biggest fear as dad dying too soon to pass on the wisdom like that's... 
dying it. Could you imagine? Like, I mean, I think about this, like 51 and going, I got so much to teach them. That scares the shit out of me. Totally. Yeah. And then the last one, the most um, valuable piece of advice that you've ever received. Live your life as a plus, a minus, and an equal. What does that mean? Be a men- be a plus, be a mentor to someone. Minus, be mentored by someone, and equal, be amongst your peers. Best way I can describe it, think about Michael Jordan. He's a plus to the rookie on the court, telling him about the smell of the locker room and how to handle the media. He's a minus to his coaches who are seeing the game at a different angle, and then the equals being amongst his peers because the speed of the game is different. Live your life that way. Be a be a be a mentor to your kids, but then also being humble enough to go, I don't know everything. That's the minus, being mentored and then being among people that are in the same game as you because the conversations there, just like this. So excellent. I love that. Yep. All right. Well, I appreciate you being on the show. That is it for this episode. Um, I'm going to hit stop record here. Stick around for a second with me, Gio, and we'll wrap this thing up. Everybody that's listening, this is Dave Whitley, Advancing Man Project podcast. Thanks a bunch, and we'll see you soon.